0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Good morning once again, Bethesda Church. I'm so glad that you've tuned in online Last week, we kicked off a brand new sermon series entitled Greater. I want you to take just a minute and type that word greater into the chat box there. Let's everybody get on board for 2022 being our year of greater. Amen. If you believe that right now, go ahead and throw some likes up. Type that word in. We believe that God has some greater things in store for us in 2022. We started the series out. With a message entitled "When You Don't Like the Person That You Are Becoming," um, today I want to pick up uh, kind of where I left off last week, but go a little bit deeper. Uh, and I believe this is going to be a life-changing message today. I want to call it "Too When You're Too Busy for What Matters." When you're too busy for what matters. Um, Last week, we looked at Matthew chapter number 11 when Jesus said, he said, if you're tired and overwhelmed, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and be yoked with me. In other words, what Jesus is encouraging you and I to do is to move at his pace, move at his rhythm. God has a pace for your life. He has a rhythm for your life. And when we get yoked up with our schedule or religion or our to-do list, we end up losing our rhythm and we end up losing our pace. Now, if you notice, I've got... Uh, a treadmill on the platform with me, and I'm going to ask that my help go ahead and make her way up to the platform. Um, and in your house there, you need to give Emma Toller a big thumbs up as she comes. Uh, for the people, the worship team and tech team, let's give her a hand um, that are helping me make today possible. But I'm going to ask Emma, if she would, to get on the on the treadmill for just a second, and let me set this up. This is how life starts out, in our relationship with Jesus, all right? Jesus said, be yoked with me, all right? In other words, I've got a pace, she's got a pace. I think Jesus probably walks a little faster than that, but we're gonna gonna give it a little pace, and I want you to notice that Emma is walking, right? Um, all throughout the Gospels, uh, as I'm going to show you today, Jesus was always walking to wherever he was going, and and he encourages us to come and follow him. All right, I've got a rhythm, I've got a pace. For your life. This is how it starts out. We're walking with Christ. Life is good. Uh, we, we love him. We know he loves us. We got a rhythm. We got a pace. We're just walking through. Um, but little by little, if you're like me, little by little, life starts happening. Y'all, y'all know about life happening, right? Maybe you get married. You get a new job. You, maybe you have some kids uh, and how many of kids come with diapers and braces and ballet and dance and uh, soccer games and all these things? And so life starts happening. And if you notice that Emma's pace is picking up. And I think for a lot of us we start out and we got a nice rhythm, we got a nice pace, but as life starts happening and different relationships we get connected to and new jobs and new responsibilities and all these things begin to happen. Now we've got a mortgage and now we've got a car payment and now we got medical bills and and now we've got more responsibility at work, more responsibility in the church and our pace without us. Watch this. A lot of times it's happening without us even noticing. Check this out. And before we know it, as life is happening, we end up, we're not walking with Jesus, but we are sprinting. And how many know that when you're in this mode, when you are in this kind of pace, it's hard to be and hard to do everything God has for you. And so what what do we do? We try to squeeze in a little bit more. We try to be a little more efficient. But it's hard to squeeze more in when your life looks like this. Emma, can everybody give her a big God bless you. I'm going to slow it down for you. I told you I wouldn't keep you too long. Look here, we got you. There we go. Thank you, Emma. One more time, give it up online for Emma. the, The thing is, is that life picks up pace many times without us knowing it. And it's not just being the rushed part of our life. I wonder how many of us would occasionally say that we're often disappointed with the way that our life is going because of the pace, because of the intensity. Sometimes we start to think that something is missing. You start to think, I don't have time to do the things that I want to do, and maybe even worse yet, I don't have time for the people that I love the most. And you may start to ask, is it really supposed to be this way? Is this what I signed up for? Is this what my life should look like and I want to make a statement that I think will drive a a major point home today the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life you're living I want to say that one more time the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life you're living what if you're just too busy for what matters most now this message, I'm going to be real honest, it's difficult for me to preach because this is the struggle I have. I am driven, I like to feel accomplished and productive and successful, I, I like all of those things, I have a hard time sitting still, my wife can attest to that, uh, I, I feel like I always need to be doing something unless there's a, a football game that's on that I really want to watch, but my team is not in the playoffs, if your team is, God bless you. My team's not in there, so uh, I don't really have a game that I have to watch, and uh, I, I enjoy sitting down with a cup of coffee, but it's usually as I'm writing a message or planning the calendar, I like to do some work while I'm sipping on my coffee, and, and so uh, I, I may have been at one point in my life, I may have said this, um, the devil never takes a day off, so I'm not going to take a day off, until one of my friends said, the devil shouldn't be your model. Some of us, we make statements like, I'll rest when I get to heaven. We, we make comments like that because our life is moving at a pace. Because the truth is, we all have places to be. We all have jobs to do. We have bills to pay. We have kitchens to clean. We have kids to raise. We got news to read. We got biased news to read so that we can get mad and post about it. We got yards to mow. We got dinners to cook. We got clothes to buy, clothes to wash, clothes to wash, clothes to wash. There's five people in my house. Clothes to not wear anymore and now clothes to buy because of the clothes we don't wear anymore. We got photos to take, captions to write, Netflix shows to bend watch, and because of the pace of life, we find ourselves going faster and faster until our life is sprinting out of control. We just don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time for meals with the family, conversations with friends. We don't have time for intimacy with God. We just don't have time, and we justify it Because we say, neither does anyone else. Because most people are running at a pace that cannot be sustained. Everybody else is busy, so it must be God's will. The greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life you're living. In that chat box, one more time, go ahead and type the word greater. Because there is a greater way. There is a better way. We're not just looking at the truth of Jesus, which we always do and always will look at the truth of Jesus, but we're also examining the way Jesus lived and the way Jesus loved. And if you you take a look at the life of Jesus, I think you would find it fascinating as to how he lived. He had three years of public ministry, only three, he was here 33 and a half years, only three years of public ministry. And in those three years, Jesus, he embraced the Father's mission. He recruited a heavenly team of 12 ragtags, trained them in kingdom values. He endured the hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted the temptation of the devil. He healed all sorts of sick people. He loved all sorts of hurting people. He preached the word of God fearlessly. He fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. And Jesus never once ran. He always walked. He had so much to do. But not one time is it recorded that Jesus ran anywhere. No record of him running. No record of him fast walking, jogging, or skipping. Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. I want you to think about that. Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. He never said to his disciples, we are behind schedule." We've got to get to another town now. Oh, so Luke's not here. We're going to leave his behind here. We're going to teach him a lesson. We got things to do. Not one time did you see Jesus in a rush. He's busy with important stuff, but he was never rushed, watch this, on the inside. He was never rushed on the inside. And many of us, we are rushed on the outside, but it's because we are rushed on the inside. He was busy with important stuff, but he was never rushed anywhere he went. Yet most of us, if we're being honest, we feel rushed, we feel overwhelmed, we feel stressed, we're, we're maxed out, we don't have any margin. The question is, is are you following Jesus? Because if you are, he has a pace and a rhythm, and it doesn't look like you being exhausted, burned out, Or worn out. If you believe that, even in your house right now, you ought to give God an amen and a praise right there. I want you to look at this scripture from Mark chapter 2, verse 14. It says, As he walked along, I love it, as he walked along. This phrase is used over and over in the Gospels. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And this is interesting because over and over again, we see Jesus walking along. He never ran, but he walked. He was busy, but he was not rushed. I want you to think about Levi because Jesus said to Levi, he said, follow me. And the Bible says that Levi got up and he followed Jesus. He followed him. Um. In in other words, he he had to move. If you're following Jesus, you've got to move at the pace of Jesus, which means that you can't get in front of him and you can't lag behind him if you're following. It meant that Levi had to start walking in step with Jesus. See, if we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. I'm going to say that again. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. The truth, though, is that many of us are living a life that looks different than the life of Jesus. We find ourselves on the treadmill of life. We find ourselves running. We find ourselves stuck, what I would call, I'm almost scared to get up here, I don't know if it will move on me, Um. We find ourselves stuck, and and some of us, we even say things like, you know, my life feels like a rat race. My life feels like it's spinning out of control, like I don't have any control. I, I can't make a left turn, a right turn. I don't have any margin, Pastor Chad. I don't have time for the things that I really want to do or the things I really need to do. Matthew chapter 11 from a totally different angle. The message translation, Jesus said in verse 28, he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says, if you'll get away with me, I'll help you recover your life. Jesus called into the ministry and spent 33 years on the earth, and he was called to be perfect, and he was called to save the world by giving his life. And he walked 30 years before he started the public ministry. And it's fascinating to think about what Jesus did, because before he began the ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he was baptized, the Bible says, "...the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, and the Father spoke and said, This is my Son, and in Him I am well pleased." And he, he's giving Jesus affirmation before the ministry even starts. And the first thing Jesus does after this public announcement of his ministry, the first thing he does is not heal somebody or perform a miracle or bring a lost soul into the, a relationship with Jesus. The first thing Jesus does is that he takes a 40-day sabbatical The Spirit leads him into the wilderness, into a dry place for 40 days to be strengthened by God and to learn how to fight off the enemy. And it was there that his identity was solidified in who God called him to be. It was 40 days alone with God. And now it's time to do miracles. And in his first miracle... I find it interesting that Jesus performed his first miracle not in a church building, but at a wedding. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the Messiah, the Savior. Busy, called to save the world and live a sinless life, yet he had time to attend a wedding. The Bible, very, very interesting that Jesus did not big time the people at the wedding and say, you know, I am the son of God. I really don't have time to hang out. But the Bible says that he stayed until the very end of the wedding. And when they ran out of party juice, you smiled in your PJs. I know you did. When they ran out of party juice, what does Jesus do? He doesn't say it's time to shut it down. He says, let's get some water pots so that I can turn water into wine. I want to keep this party going. I want us to enjoy one another. He was busy but never rushed. On another occasion, a synagogue leader came to him. His name was Jairus. And he was an important guy, but he's freaking out because his little girl is sick and at the point of death. And he gets to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you to come heal my little girl. She's going to die. And Jesus said, okay, I will come see the little girl. But while he is walking, he's not running, while he's taking his time, getting to this sick little girl, there is a a woman that comes to Jesus who has been sick 12 years. And Jesus stops on his way to heal one little girl and gives his undivided attention to a woman who has been sick for 12 years. And he heals the woman, but in the meantime, the little girl dies. Now, I'm a dad, and I wouldn't be real happy, and I'm sure Jairus was not happy that Jesus took his time getting to his sick little girl, but what Jesus taught him is that I don't have to be in a rush because time is in my hands, and he healed the little girl anyway as he's walking along. He's always making a difference. You can even look at his transportation choice. He's the Son of God. If I'm going to ride in on an animal, I'm going to ride in on a horse. Not just any horse, probably a white horse. It's going to be a fast horse. But what does Jesus come riding in on? A donkey, a walking animal. There ain't no donkey in the world in a rush. You won't see Eeyore run a red light. They are not in a rush. As Jesus walked, if Jesus was never rushed, then why is your life always rushed? If we're following an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. Many of us can't say that we are. And I'm not a counselor. You can type that in the chat. DC is not a counselor, but I am a pastor, and I have been doing this for a long time, and what I have learned about people that their life is spinning out of control, it's at a pace and a rhythm that they cannot keep up with, what I have learned is that we are either running from something or running to something. We are running from insignificance and running toward acceptance, we are running from a past failure, running from what someone said about us, running from insecurities, running to prove someone wrong. We are running from hurt, running from abuse, running to a relationship, running toward popularity, running toward being liked. The problem is for most people in today's culture is that you're chasing a life that even if you find it, it will leave you empty. What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life that you're living? Well, pastor, that sounds good, but I can't slow down. I can't quit. I've got stuff to do. There's too much in my life, too many moving pieces. And I want to say this respectfully, but I want to say this. You have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time for what you choose to have time for. I'm going to take it a step further. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. It's not more time, but more of what matters most. And the reason most of us don't have time for what matters most is because we're spending our life on what doesn't matter. I told you this message is going to be a game changer for some people today. And I want to prove this to you with a few illustrations. And this may hit you and it may not, but I think the three illustrations that I have, it's going to hit most people. Let's take social media first off. Most of us, a lot of you are watching this message via social media. Nothing wrong with social media. But I'm gonna talk about social media for a minute. I'm gonna talk about TV for a minute. And then I'm gonna talk about video games. Can I go there? Social media. Did you know that the average person, the average person, spends 706 hours a year on social media? 706 hours. The good news some of you are younger. You're not the average person. You're younger. And so you're above average. You do way more hours than 706 in a year. But to really understand this, I'm going to make a comparison of 706 hours. A traditional workday is about eight hours long. 706 hours on social media, if you divided that into just normal work days, that is approximately four and a half months of working hours that people spend on social media. Some of you don't get your job done at the place you work and say you don't have time. Uh Uh-oh. Four and a half, that's the average person this is, this is not talking about the person who, when their eyes open, they Instagram, Facebook, you know, Snapchat. Like I, Immediately, I got to jump on all those things. But we're spending four and a half months a year on social media while our marriage is falling apart, while our kids are not being raised. I don't know about you, but four and a half months seems like a lot to be giving to something that can't give me anything back. That's social media. Television is a little bit worse. People spend an average of 2,700 hours a year binge-watching their favorite shows. I'm going to go to the third layer. I don't have to break the TV thing. I think you get the math. Video games, I'm going to pick on the guys. The average guy, by age 21... By age 21, the average guy has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. You say, well, what, what, what could I do with 10,000 hours? Well, here, here's a few things you could do you could work somewhere for $10 an hour and make 100 grand. You could read 2,000 books. You could become a concert pianist. You could earn uh, your pilot's license. You could memorize the entire New Testament. You could get your undergraduate degree and your graduate degree. So we're spending a lot of time on things that don't matter. And what if we took the time that we're spending on things that don't matter and we started investing, investing that time in the things that do matter? I wonder if you took that time that you've spent in all those areas and you invested that into the marriage you're about to walk away from, if God wouldn't restore it. What if the greatest enemy to the life you want is the life you're living? Some of you at home may be wondering, well, that sounds good, but how do I take my life back? How, how do I get that pace? How do I find rhythm? I don't don't know all the answers to that, but here's what I do know. If you don't slow down, God may make you slow down. Psalm chapter 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And it says, he makes me lie down. I have learned over the years that if I won't lie down, God will make me lie down. And that's not usually a fun process to go through when God has to stop you and stop your pace and stop your rhythm. I think that what we need to do to fix the issue is we gotta get back to the basics, back to the basics. And by, by getting to the basics, we need to ask, who is God? And the question of that is, God is love. It's, it's not just what he does, It's who he is. The greatest command, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the greatest command. But when you look at the core of who God is, it's love. And here's the thing you got to understand about love. Love is incompatible with hurry. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. How do I know love is incompatible with hurry and that it takes time? Well, the first definition that the Apostle Paul gave for love comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4, the first definition, love is patient. So love is incompatible with hurry. Love takes time. And I believe that as we step into this new year, we're talking about greater I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to start praying a little prayer that I want to give you. We've got this point for you, but I want you to make this, when you get up in the morning, I want you to pray this prayer in your devotional time as you're sipping on your coffee. I want you to pray this prayer, and here's the prayer. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully, and to love people deeply. As you make that a part of your day, as you make that a part of your year, I believe that God is going to do a deep work in all of us. I believe that for some people, God wants to do a work of healing in you. And as you pray this prayer, I believe three things are going to be accomplished. I'm going to give you those three things. Number one, God's going to help you be present in the moment. Present in the moment. The truth is, is that many times we are present physically, but we are not present mentally. That God would help us to put down our phone long enough to engage with our children, with our spouse, with the people that we love. That God would teach us that Whoever's texting is not nearly as important as the person standing in front of me. That we would not just be present physically, but we would be, we would be connected mentally. That we would be present in the moment. When, I, when I'm present in the moment, I start seeing needs in the lives of people that previously I was too busy to even notice. It's amazing what God will show you if you'll take time to listen you got to be present in the moment. Why did Jesus heal so many people and perform so many miracles while he was en route to do something else? It was because he was always present in the moment. Some of us need to stop saying, hey, I'll pray for you. And we need to start saying, give me your hands. I come into agreement that we are present in the moment. The second thing that I believe that God will do as we begin to pray, God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. The second thing is, is that we will choose what's important and eliminate what's not. God will order your steps, and he will teach you what's important. This will help us to say no to what doesn't matter and to say yes to what does matter. We all, go ahead and everybody at home, go ahead and say all, because we all have a tendency to drift towards what doesn't matter. How much of your day and conversations is about things that don't matter? And as long as you keep taking what doesn't matter, and it's at the forefront of your mind and your heart, How many of the enemy will constantly use what doesn't matter to keep you from focusing on what does matter? I'm preaching real good. If you were in here, I would make you give God praise right now. I would. I would make you do that. So you should praise him at home. I wonder how many miracles we miss because our attention, our focus is broken. We're divided in so many different ways that we can't stop and sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in the moment. See, when I'm choosing what's important and eliminating what's not, I'll start saying no to things that don't matter, yes to things that do matter. And listen, just because you say no in one season doesn't mean that it's a no forever. There are things that I have to say no to in this season That in another season, I will be able to say yes to. But right now, it's not the priority, so i got to say no to it in this season so that I can enjoy it in the next season. You have time for what you choose to have time for. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters. As the worship team comes back, the third thing that's going to happen is we pray, God, help me to slow down so I can experience Jesus fully and love people deeply, the third thing that's going to happen is that you're going to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. This is going to help you that when you're in conversation with people, not to just cut the conversation off, but it's going to help you to dig a little deeper, to ask a few more questions, to be willing to pray for that individual. As Jesus walked along, every person that Jesus loved and every miracle that Jesus performed, he did it while he walked. Jesus was busy, but he was not rushed. Bethesda Church, if this is going to be a year of greater, it's going to start by us walking with Jesus. Jesus not getting ahead of him, not lagging behind him. And here's the thing about Jesus. As Jesus walked, as he did what the Father told him to do, where was Jesus walking? The whole time, every miracle, every healing, every relationship restored, the whole time Jesus walked, as he was fulfilling the Father's purpose for him, the whole time he was walking toward the cross. He was walking toward laying his life down for you. Miracles along the way, but walking toward the place where he would lay his life down. It's a powerful thing to Really understand that step after step, moment after moment, He was walking toward the cross. Imagine with me for a moment, if in an angry, hurting, and divided world, if there was a loving, caring, and united church walking slowly enough to engage with those who are far from God, to show them the love of a God who stepped out of heaven came to earth in the person of Jesus and lived a sinless life and walked all the way to the cross for you and for me. And here's the, here's the catch. If you're following Jesus, you got to ask where are you walking? You're walking to lay your life down for something more important. You're walking to lay your life down for something more important. I wonder by the power of the Holy Spirit, I wonder today who may be watching this and the Holy Spirit is speaking you, to you right now and he's showing you areas that you need to lay down for something that is much more important. For those of you that are watching this and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and you know this is a moment of truth, it's a moment where you need to Confess some things to God, and you need to allow Jesus to come into your heart and to save you. Listen, I want to lead you in this prayer. If I'm talking to you and you need to give your life to Christ, I want you to let our moderators know that you're making a decision to follow Jesus today. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm not going to follow my way any longer, but today I submit my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to follow you, Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer, we believe that you have been born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. You have been born from above. Born of heaven. You are now a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are walking, church, to lay our life down for something more important. I want to reiterate a few things. The answer, please hear me, the answer is not more time. It's more of what matters. You have time for what you choose to have time for. And God, we are asking in this season that you would help us to walk slowly enough to experience you fully and to love people deeply. I'm gonna ask that my stagehands come on out and if you would remove this treadmill and this table, I'm gonna ask them to remove that before I bring the worship team out. But right there, wherever you're watching this, I wanna take a moment and I just wanna minister to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and say to you, your life does not have to feel like it's spinning out of control. That when you feel confused and worried and anxious, you have to understand that is not God. That is not the Holy Spirit. When God comes into your heart, when God is ordering your steps, when God is in charge of your pace and your rhythm, he does not accompany that with, he add worry to it or add anxiety to it or add exhaustion to it. God comes and says, I want to give you Rest. I want to show you what the unforced rhythm of grace looks like. I want to give you the kind of life where my peace is reigning supreme. Before the worship team comes out, and I know many of you are probably praying right now. I hope you are. And maybe God is helping you prioritize some things in this moment. But as they get ready to come out and lead us into another song, I want to speak to every person watching. And I, I, I know our calling as a church is to bring healing to all those around. And so I I speak to all those watching that need a miracle, that need a healing touch from God, we believe and so therefore we speak and we declare that you are healed in the name of Jesus. You are whole in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that sick bodies, we command them to be healed and to be restored. I speak life over back issues and neck issues and those that are suffering with COVID, God, and COVID pneumonia. And we, we speak life to them in the name of Jesus. And we declare that we are the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. God, so we declare that they are healed in the name of Jesus. I pray for Pastor Laura now, God, we continue to speak the word of God over her lungs and God we know that not only are you able but you are willing and God we ask that you invade that hospital room today and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you begin breathing into those lungs for every sick person that is tuned in listen healing is a fact it is paid for it is finished it belongs to you Jesus has already paid the price for you to walk in healing so today we declare you're healed you're You're blessed in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus in your house, right there where you are. Give your God a praise as the worship team comes to lead us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.